live from the Redeemer Radio 95.7 studios in the shadows of the Golden Dome, this is Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. What a difference a week makes. A week ago at this time on this very show, our biggest worry surrounding the Irish program was, man, they started slow against Duke. A few hours later, eight players not available to face South Florida. We find out Monday, four of those players had tested positive prior to the USF game. And then on Tuesday, seven additional players testing positive. And that all led to today's game with Wake Forest being postponed until December 12th. The Irish will not play today. They will not play next week as they are on the bye. Next up for Notre Dame is Florida State on October the 10th. Like I said, what a difference one week makes. Welcome to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Notre Dame FCU, where you bank, does matter. I'm Angel DiCarlo, joined as always by Kevin Downey. Kevin, life comes at you fast. Especially <laughs> take, in 2020. Takes us through, take us through your mindset as all this information was coming out over the last week. Well, I just think... Uh you know, it's a reminder that we're in a pandemic and that, again, I was really grateful to be able to watch uh, Notre Dame college football. I just think, man, I, I would it would blow my mind the logistics to, to coaching right now during all this. There, there'd be so many things you can't control, but that you have to have protocols for. I, I was going to say, you're a lifelong coach. That's I know you work in the RV yeah. industry. You're a great sales guy in, in the over at Forest River, but, you know, you're a coach – at uh, heart, deep yeah. in, in your heart, can how much have you thought about that? Like, man, I'm just, I'm actually happy. I'm not coaching. <laughs> <laughs> it would just be so difficult with a, again, a contact sport. So many people, so many, um, just protocols. So many tests. You know, we were talking about the 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 daily tests or the test. I don't know. I, there's so many unknowns, right? So 2020, here we are. All right, on tap on this morning's show, our spotlight interview is is with former Irish women's basketball coach Muffet McGraw. She updates us on what life in retirement during a pandemic has been like. She's been busy running food drives, and now we can call her Professor McGraw. That's later on in the show. Next segment, we'll look back at some of the happenings from the USF game in particular. The breakout game for Pioneer High School's Jack Kaiser. Great audio from Jack uh, when I submitted the question the, to ask of how his little town of Royal Center, Indiana, reacted to his big game last week. But let's just start with the, the latest COVID-19 information surrounding the Irish program. On September 14th, we learned that two players tested positive, two more were in quarantine sometime before the Duke game. Then last Saturday, they announced pregame that eight players from the depth chart were not available for the South Florida game, but at the time, they did not specify why. It was cornerback Tariq Bracey, linebacker Maurice Le- Leah Fallon, Shane Simon, defense lineman Ovia Gofu, backup quarterback Brendan Clark, running back Jameer Smith, wide receiver Lawrence Keyes, and safety Kyle Hamilton. Now, we do know Hamilton was out for injury. Mm -hmm. What we don't know for sure is whether the other seven were out for injury, COVID positives, or contact tracing. It's unclear, but almost likely most of those guys, at the very least, were not injury-related. And then last Monday, we learned four players had tested positive the week of the USF game, and six were quarantining through contracts tracing. So likely some version of those guys that sat out that were on that depth chart, plus probably some scout team guys who aren't on the depth chart also sitting out that mm-hmm. they didn't have to necessarily mention at that point. Then you move to Tuesday, seven more positive tests came through from Monday's test. Two more were out for contact tracing. 
So from September 12th through September 22nd, 13 players tested positive, 10 out for contact tracing. And now likely there are more out right now for contact tracing. Notre Dame was still identifying the close contacts on Tuesday for those seven players that had tested positive from Monday's test. And they have not provided updated numbers. I'm told the next update is expected coming up on Monday. So obviously there could be more guys that have been out for contact tracing during this time. And no question, there could be more guys that have tested positive because as we know, once someone tests positive, it it often leads to someone else testing positive. So it'll be real interesting. But you talk about 23. Let's just say there's 10 more guys in that in that pool. That's 33 guys. You're now a third of your roster. You know, you're you're more you're you're more than that in terms of your scholarship. Well, we don't know who's scholarship and who's not. But you're a third of your roster already out. That that is a lot of players, and it could be more than that. So no question it was difficult because originally Wake Forest and Notre Dame had the bye week on October 3rd. So everyone's like, well, can they just move the game back a week? Mm-hmm. Well, you can't do that if yeah, 25 certain. guys are out, right? Yeah. Well, and that's within a couple of weeks, too. Like the time frames just, just crazy. Well, and some of those guys will be coming back, right? Those mm-hmm. guys that maybe tested at positive the at the beginning at September 12th. But those numbers were the low ones, the two guys that were out. Yeah. Um. You know, you're talking about in the last 10 days, you've had, you know, what? Let's see if I can get my numbers right. You've had 10 guys test positive in the last 10 days. Mm-hmm. I mean, so that's – that's or 11 guys, excuse me, test positive in the last 10 days. So that that's a lot. Um, and, you know, that that makes it certainly difficult. So I, I get why we're in the position we're in. I don't think they really had a choice. Um, to, to knock this down, here's the, one of the big things. They haven't practiced all week, understandably. They're still figuring it out. Mm-hmm. But when you look at Kevin as a coach, you know, taking two weeks off and then also a good chunk of that time not practicing, that's where you're really getting hurt as a program in terms of the on-field. Obviously, yeah. the health and safety is the most important part. We understand that. Yeah. But in terms of the on-field, they're now getting caught behind if they – depending on when they finally can get return to practice. For sure. There has to be, you know, just a, de- a delay in their performance. They're, they're not together. And just, you know, COVID and the nature of the sport, uh, like we talked about before we went on air, you know, the linemen are in such close proximity and, you know, something as little as the, the footballs, <laughs> they're going to be distributed and lots of people are touching them. All right. Uh, back on September 1st, Brian Kelly was asked about having to sit out practices and how many uh, practices you could miss and still be able to play in a game. Here's what Brian Kelly had to say about that back on September 1st. If you're out of business um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, um, you're in trouble uh, for uh, having a team that can can practice and, and be prepared. Now, that would require you to you know, have not assembled your group in a, in a manner that uh, would mean that you've knocked out everybody and that you feel like there's going to be a lot of transmission uh, on the field. We've, we've been in, you know, we've been in obviously a, a number of situations where, you know, we don't believe that there's going to be heavy transmission on the field. So that's assuming a lot of things go wrong. And if they do, uh, my answer to the question would be, I think if you lose two or three days early in the week, you're, you're, you're hard-pressed to get your team ready. 
That was Brian Kelly on September 1st. Obviously, Kevin, uh, a lot of things have gone wrong to, to be at the point where they cannot uh, they could not practice yeah. uh, all week, uh, let alone Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. They did not practice all week, and, and it's unclear of when they'll be able to get back on the field. Well, and that's 25 days ago, too. He was still looking at that through the lens of, well, Monday, yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday is our normal routine. We get Those are the good, strong practice days. Um, if we can make it to Thursday, it's basically walk through. But, yeah, 25 days later and, and some COVID tests, and it's a lot different. Yeah, that was Brian Kelly back on September 1st. Uh, you know, I actually submitted – we have to submit – some some press conferences we get to actually ask a verbal question. Mm-hmm. They open our audio on Zoom. Some of them uh, we have to submit questions that are then asked by Notre Dame's sports information department so they can be filtered out. I actually submitted a question as a follow-up to this one. On Monday with uh, Brian Kelly, but the question was never asked. I imagine it may not have been because they knew there was a good chance that we were going to be in the position we were in with canceling the game um, for or postponing the game this week. Um, all right, so Brian Kelly was asked on Monday about Notre Dame's testing protocols. Let's play his whole answer to kind of just get some perspective uh, on that situation. Yeah, it's it's always an, an evolving um situation um you know we're learning about um things uh, really daily about um how to uh, attack this um virus and utilizing um all of the procedures and protocols including testing um you know the the acc has some protocols which you have to follow right you have to have um you know, a PCR test 72 hours prior to. So, you know, I, I think it then then you kind of go from there, right? So that probably means everybody has a Wednesday PCR test. Everybody's testing PCR on Friday by the conference. Then you kind of fill in the blanks from there, right? Do you, do you follow a model of then antigen test uh, every day? Um, do you antigen test and then follow it up with uh if you if if you suspect anything do you follow it up with a pcr so there's i think that's where the individual schools kind of then have some flexibility to do what they want to do um and and from our standpoint uh right now uh certain segments of our team are getting tested every day um the higher risk areas which are generally speaking those that fall under um, the, you know, uh, close contact, which would be the linemen, right? You know, when you, when you put that uh, algorithm together, it's really uh, distance, um, duration, and direction. And if you fall under those categories, you're generally coming up with linemen. And so we're, we're, we're testing those guys every day. That was Brian Kelly on Monday before they announced that their name game versus Wake Forest has been postponed. No word yet on whether any linemen have tested positive, but if they have, then clearly, Kevin, no way you'd be able to play in a game if, for instance, you lost, you know, most most of your offensive line and maybe all. I don't know if if you're if your left tackle uh, test positive, is your right tackle out? Maybe I don't. That would be that would be an interesting question of how that would be the case. But it would be if he's your roommate, and we know 
uh, linemen stick together, right? So yeah. they're they're well, probably practice position groups. Like, yeah, it it would really affect. I think I'm just kind of blown away by what all these college guys are going through uh, just to be able to play and to make it to to game day. Well, and there was so much talk about the players doing so much to ensure that they would be able to play, mm-hmm. um, asking the student body to do things the right way so that they could play. And, and here's the thing. The majority of the tests at, on Notre Dame's campus right now are from the football team. They are actually, in a way, it's, this is not the student body as a whole collectively having an outbreak and getting the football team mm-hmm. um, infected. This is... Um, mostly a football issue now i don't know it, it's possible one of the players has a roommate that is a regular student that gave it to him it's possible someone out of the hundred guys decided to get in an uber go to a bar at some point because you're a college student yeah. and got positive didn't know was asymptomatic because they're uh, a top-notch athlete and passed it on to the whole team i'm not saying that's what happened right you uh, just don't know but you don't know how this it could be you went to uh, pick up food at a, a local restaurant yeah. or the supermarket, anything. You went to the gas station. We all know how this can happen. And on a football team, obviously, it could be passed along. The one thing that is interesting, USF is not playing this week. Uh, they said it was for contact tracing and for precautionary. Mm-hmm. We don't know yet at this time if they've had guys test positive because of playing Notre Dame. That'll be a big swing factor yeah. in terms of in terms of the landscape of college football, in my opinion. Big picture, and our game's going to be able to go on. How likely well, I, <laughs> are there going to be breaks? Or Well, I mean, think about the difference here. If USF doesn't get guys testing positive out of the Notre Dame game, mm-hmm. that means it's not going from team to team. Yep. So on the field, game yeah. day. Yep. And that's huge. That's a big difference. Now, obviously, you still got to control it. Within no- the, the team, within the group. But if, if, if we're at that point, that would actually be a – um, I don't want to say positive sign, but <laughs> it would be, be good a good news. sign. Good news. <laughs> good, good indicator. News, if that's the case. All right. Did you know that Notre Dame Federal Credit Union is the largest Catholic credit union in the United States? Notre Dame FCU has served over 800 Catholic entities in over 25 dioceses nationwide. These include colleges, parishes, schools, food pantries, homeless shelters, and Catholic radio stations, including Redeemer Radio. Member-owned, not-for-profit banking is the way to go. You're a share of values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. All right, our poll question this week was, do you think Notre Dame will end up playing all 11 of its regular season games? Kevin, uh, what do you think the vote end up being on this one? Um, man, especially as we sit now, I would think that, uh, no, that they wouldn't end up playing all games. All right, yeah, and 69% end up saying no. They don't think they'll play all 11 games. 31% said yes. Former Notre Dame captain from the 2012 squad, Capron Lewis Moore, weighed in. Uh, He said, no, just because if people test positive after games, it'll just be a ripple effect of teams postponing games slash events. Yeah. Could be. I mean, that's, that's the fact of life, that there is it. So, in your personal opinion, do you think they'll get all 11 games in? Um. You know, I'm hopeful, so yeah, I oh. think that they will. They'll just keep delaying it. We'll we'll have a a bowl game sometime in May. <laughs> I I I I was I thought you were actually going to go with the well, it's Catholic radio station on, so yeah. I'm going to keep it positive. I think you're going to go with that line, <laughs> like what you do when you do your 12 and 0 prediction each year. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I, I, I'll say this. I think it's possible um, that they will. They just are running out of. Um, they, they've they fired one of their bullets now. Okay, they've they yeah. had a they had to move a game to December twelfth, so they don't have much flexibility left. They have a bye week later on in the season, but that's it. There's not the the, the ACC championship game pretty much has to be on December nineteenth unless they move the playoff the back, games, yeah. which they don't want to do. So I I don't see much flexibility if Notre Dame has issues in October. I think they're just going to miss games and not be able to make them up. And that'll be interesting in the grand scheme of things for the ACC mm-hmm. because I'm sure there's going to be some other teams that run into issues and aren't able to. And how they determine the ACC champion, they're going to have to go by winning percentage as opposed to games. And that could get tricky because at what point do you say, well, this team played nine conference games, mm-hmm. this team played five. Like what's that threshold of a difference and? I don't know. I don't know if they know the answer to that yet. Well, an ACC actually played early. Look at those other conferences that aren't going to have that much cushion at the end. So who knows? They may have to, you know, delay the playoffs. Big picture. Yeah. Uh, SEC starting up today. Big Ten uh, and Pac-12, MAC, um, Mountain West all announcing this week that they're going to be returning. So it's that's an interesting dichotomy, too. You have Notre Dame unable to play and everyone else saying we're coming back we're coming back yeah. so two totally different um ends of the spectrum in college football right now again what a difference a few weeks make a few you know weeks and positive tests it's it's just quite a unique time in our lives right by the way next game for notre dame as i mentioned october 12 10th against florida state florida state plays miami coming up tonight of note florida state coach mike Nervell is not coaching yeah. in the game because he tested positive himself. So they got their own issues. So it's it, this is a across-the-board thing in college football. All right, time for a timeout. Coming up, Notre Dame, former Notre Dame women's basketball coach Muffin McGraw joins us to explain how service has been a full-time job for her in retirement. And up next, we'll look at one of the biggest surprises from last week's game, Jack Kaiser from scout team to the game ball. Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays returns right after this. We know you like football. So do we. We're TireRack.com, and this is our version of a two-minute drill, except it's only 30 seconds. TireRack.com has an enormous selection of tires. Not sure which ones to buy? Use our tire decision guide to find the right tires for your vehicle and the way you drive. Then get them shipped fast and free on all orders over $50. Shipping is in as little as one day. Free. TireRack.com ships to independent, recommended installers. TireRack.com. The way tire buying should be. Touchdown! Welcome back on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Angel DiCarlo alongside Kevin Downey. Let you know that Redeemer Radio is a nonprofit Catholic radio station. We are listeners supported. So in order for programs like Irish Sports Saturdays to continue, we have to be able to pay for maintenance on two radio towers, staffing and equipment. It adds up fast. Right now, we're in the middle of our fall fundraiser. We are a little bit behind on funding, so we could use your support. If you enjoy programs like this and can make a small donation of any kind, we appreciate it. You can go to RedeemerRadio.com right now and click Donate Now. Every little bit helps. It's a great cause. I mean, I know uh, I was driving last night, and I got to hear the second quarter of the high school game that, that that you guys did on the Redeemer Radio. So there's a lot of different programming things that are great. It's definitely 
definitely a great cause, but I'm totally biased. <laughs> we are biased in the right way for, for right. towards supporting Redeemer Radio. So again, RedeemerRadio.com um, is the place to go, and uh, we appreciate any donation you can make. Yeah, that game last night between Mary and Penn was was electric. And if you want to uh, watch back the game, we had a video stream of the broadcast. You can go to Facebook.com slash 957sports and watch the game back. All right, uh, we've talked a lot about the COVID-related issues. Worth noting, and I don't think this is the case, but I guess it's also possible that Notre Dame could have gotten uh, – some COVID positives from South Florida. If South Florida players were asymptomatic, I did not mention that. I totally don't think that's the case. Um, I think most of the positives that probably happened on Monday had did not come from the game, and they were because that's only two days later. I would think that those ones were probably from the week before, and those guys were asymptomatic. Maybe those were guys that were. In contact tracing, because they're like, all right, let's get this guy. I mean, they were testing the guys anyway. So anyway, we can talk about COVID for the rest of eternity. (laughs) Let's let's look back at last week's game. How about Jack Kaiser? You know, eight players were announced to be out for the game prior to kickoff. That included uh, the Buck linebackers, Shane Simon and Maris Leofal. So Jack Kaiser starts. He ended up leading the team in tackles with eight. The dude was on scout team on Tuesday and Wednesday last week, Kevin. Then he started the game. He didn't find out till Saturday morning he was starting, and he ends up getting the game ball. Well, and what a great story. He, uh, you know, I heard that there was a local linebacker that was going to get in and going to play, and I just assumed that it was the the former Penn 5A or 6A. Paul Moala. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, great player, but um, no, it was the, the, the guy from Pioneer. What a cool story. As a player watching him, though, he was a sure tackler, like just a simple thing that when he actually made contact with the guy, first contact, he would wrap him up and bring him down. Uh, it's kind of simple, basic, but also necessary. So, I mean, yeah, it was a great story. Um, and what a heck of a day for that kid, right? Wake up thinking that you're still scout team or third team or whatever, and then uh, go to sleep leading the team in tackles and starting. Kaiser from Royal Center, Indiana, 75 miles south of Notre Dame, town of around 800 people, led 1A Pioneer to state titles in his junior and senior years in 2017 and 2018. Mr. Football in Indiana as a quarterback, uh, certainly a great player, but he's playing in 1A high school football in Indiana to playing in Notre Dame. Totally different aspect. People thought maybe this guy wasn't going to make it. He showed, like you said, he does the little things right. Great tackler. Uh, After the game, Kaiser was certainly the hot topic. Here's what he had to say going from scout team to getting the game ball. I mean, Notre Dame's is the the peak of the mountain, right, Uh, in terms of college football, especially in Indiana. I'm wearing a golden helmet just to be on the team. Like that's just, you know, those are dreams of, you know, many kids here in the state of Indiana. So, you know, to put the helmet on, walk down that staircase and then get on that field, you know, it's surreal. And then to actually take live snaps, you know, and and contribute to the defense and and contribute to a win. That's just amazing. And then, you know, (laughs) to get the game ball, like you just don't think like things like that will happen to you. Um, And, you know, it's, it's about the guys in the locker room, like, you know, when they found out and during the whole game, like they're always right there supporting me and, and having my back. And like, you know, that just gives you all the confidence in the world. I mean, in high school, I was a quarterback safety. Right. And so day one, when I stepped here, I knew I had to get more physical. Um, you know, I just had to get more reps and more experience at linebacker play being that close to the line. 
Um, and I think, you know, through camp and, and spring ball was cut short, but, you know, just watching film and being around those guys, um, physicality has gone up, you know, awareness has gone up. Um, but overall, like, I think I still have room to improve in everything. Like that was my first, you know, first game playing defense. So there's, there's a lot of improvements still left. Brian Kelly said the locker room got pretty loud when you were awarded the game ball. What did that feel like? <laughs> I don't know. Like it's, it's this confirmation that, you know, all that hard work that you put in, you know, working in the shadows, like guys, the guys in the locker room see that. And, and if, I don't know, it was just great. It was, it was awesome to hear that. And our last question from Angelo DiCarlo, how do you think Royal Center is reacting tonight? <laughs> um, I imagine Royal Center is pretty loud right now. Um, it's just, you know, having, not having a stoplight, you know, having a, a yellow light, like people just think that's crazy. You, I talk to guys on the team, like, yeah, like I'm from a small town, like where, like, what do you call it? Like, so, um, you know, to represent Royal Center and, and Pioneer and, and honestly, Indiana just feels great. I love that antidote about no stoplight in town and just the blinking light, uh, it puts it, it puts it in perspective. And then his answer about, getting the game ball like he he just he just laughed he he couldn't he couldn't believe it you know the way the team reacted that that he got the game ball yeah and such a great story and again he even said it was his first time uh playing, playing linebacker a, yeah <laughs> <laughs> he led the team it was awesome now it was south florida so that helps it, it's a shame for him that he doesn't get to play against wake forest Mm-hmm. Because to see that, if he can do it again, yeah, and obviously would be higher competition, so that would have been good. And now he's got to wait, and you're gonna go to Florida, you're gonna face Florida State, who Florida State is not the same Florida State, but the athletes are still Florida State. Um, so it, that'll be interesting to see, and we'll see if he gets the start or not, or yeah. if these other guys are back by then, so that they're back in the mix or not. But I think he may be the starter until he proves otherwise the other way. You know, they've rotated people that are close, um, not just on D-line, but even at the linebacker level So I and safety. I would see that him at least get another shot to rotate in as well, if not start. All right, big thank you to Tyrac for all their support of our internship program that we're with students from St. Joseph and Marion High Schools here in Michigan. The students receiving... Practical college-level internship experience helping with our broadcast of high school football wouldn't be possible without the underwriting support from the folks at TireRack. More tires, great prices. Visit TireRack.com. Ian Book, 31 of 50, 62% completion percentage so far this year. One touchdown pass, one interception, about 200 yards passing a game. 13 rushes for three touchdowns all last week. Uh, what do you think about the way he's playing? I think he's doing really well. It's it's really well. You think he's doing really well? Oh, I told you, I'm an, I'm an Ian Book fan. I think he's good. <laughs> the I guess play calling. Um, you know, I was thinking about this and I watched the the game again last night. The running game went so well against South Florida that maybe they didn't have to stretch the yeah. field or throw a lot or, or take a lot of unnecessary risk because they really had the game in hand. And if you can run the ball and dominate the game. It's a better way to win. Um, so, again, I know we talked about it, but no really deep passes to wide receivers. However, they had a lot of formations where it was two, three tight ends. They didn't even have lots of wide receivers out there to stretch their field. So, I think his performance is good. You know, he the underneath passes, um, again, him running, it, it seems like as a player, if he gets kind of physical early in the game, he something uh, – 
tends to wake him up, and he he plays better after uh, initial contact. So I don't know. But, again, I'm a Ian Book fan. I think he's pretty good. All right, here's what Ian Book and Brian Kelly had to say about Book's play in Week 2. You know, I don't need to make any superhero efforts. Just get the ball to our, get the ball to all of our playmakers on the perimeter and um, let our running backs do what they have done for the last two weeks. So it's, I didn't need to bring any you know big pressure on myself. Just do it, you know, do what I can do. And um, I focused on that all week. I felt like I did that. Uh, I thought he managed our offense very well. He's not a manager, but he managed the things that we asked him to do. He got us off to a good start with some good completions down the field. Um, there were a couple of balls I thought in the red zone that, um, you know, he could have been a little bit more finesse with, but, um, all in all, it was a really good performance. I thought he led our team, uh, to the kind of fast start that we wanted. He was really tuned in. I thought he had a great week of practice, um, really liked his demeanor, um, really worked on his pocket presence. I liked his calmness in the pocket. It was a, it was a, a really good progression from where he was last week. All right, that's uh, Ian Book and Brian Kelly talking about Ian Book's performance uh, against South Florida. Again, it's hard to say because it was it was South Florida, such a dominating performance by Notre Dame, and like you said, and and who knows if they did he did have three rushing touchdowns, so it's mm-hmm. not like he didn't run the ball, but um, who knows if they were being a little conservative in some regards because they didn't have Brendan Clark, his backup quarterback. Yeah. Drew Pine eventually gets in the game, but. Clark's the one that has more experience, so they, they couldn't afford – I mean, I guess, again, this is the game where if Book gets dinged up, you're, even Drew Pine's leading you to victory against um, – Not that's not a derogatory thing to Drew Pine, who might turn out to be the future starting quarterback for right. Notre Dame. But uh, you, you don't necessarily want him in there against a big-time opponent at this point in his career. But against South Florida, eh, it yeah. might not have mattered. You know, he was patient in the pocket, but there wasn't much of a pass rush. <laughs> but, so, again, taking that into yeah. account, the, the whole South Florida thing. Again, so, again, I feel like it's a wait-and-see for Ian Buck. I think we have some – expectations and Mm -hmm. I don't know maybe he's hitting a ceiling of there's only so much he can do. Sebo Flemister 13 carries 127 yards and a touchdown versus South Florida here's what Brian Kelly had to say about what makes Sebo Flemister a difference maker and why he's now able to make an impact on the team. You know he's a guy that you've got to wrap up you know he He's, he's got that high knee kick and low pads, very difficult to tackle. I know our guys do not like to tackle him. He's very difficult um, to, to wrap up. So I think he's, he's difficult to tackle. Um, he's got really good vision. And, uh, you know, there are different times when the light comes on. Uh, I, think, I think for Sibo, he, he clearly understood that he was going to get his chance when we saw more of those traits um, come to light, you know, and, and I know you guys uh, kind of like to not hear all this all the time, but um, the reality of it is um, he started to do uh, the things that I needed him to do on a day-to-day basis. His attention to detail was better. Um, his focus was better. His attitude was where I needed it to be. And um, – that put him in the mix, and then he figured that out. <laughs> he said, okay, I guess this is how I'm going to play. And he's been great, awesome, and I'm so proud of him uh, because he finally said, okay, I'm just not going to play if I don't do these things. And so that's why he's playing and so happy for him. That's Brian Kelly on Sebo Flemister. Well, as a runner, when he has the ball, he's, he's a thrasher. He's violent, and I think – um, the whole running back group as, as a whole 
you know, I think the running backs coach is doing a great job. They finish all their runs. They always fall forward. There's always that extra little uh, effort when they do have the ball. And let's be honest, I think the competition helped too. <laughs> There's some yeah. other good yeah. running backs that have stepped up and some younger guys where it's like, whoa. Because um, Sebo was a, he was a bright spot last year for that group. I mean, he was young, but he was has always been – you know, a thrasher, a violent runner, um, and yeah. they used him a lot on the short yardage stuff last year. Yeah, they year. didn't really – he didn't get to play too much, but yeah. when he – when you saw the signs, right? Yeah. He, when he got in there, you're like, why is this guy not playing more? And then I guess it was because of the traits that Brian <laughs> Kelly likes to reference. So now that he's doing the traits the right way, yeah, you'll get the ball a little bit more. Well, so. and, and to be pushed because now we have a really good <laughs> stable of backs. I did like uh, him saying our guys don't like to tackle him. That's a good sign when your uh, defensive teammates are like, this guy's a pain in my not butt. Not this guy. Yeah, not <laughs> this guy. All right, uh, up next, uh, I chat with former Irish women's basketball coach Muffet McGraw. She's done a ton of food drives since retiring, but one food drive almost didn't go as well as Muffet was hoping almost accidentally turning Muffet into a thief? That story next on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. What's the difference between Notre Dame Federal Credit Union and a bank? Well, banks are owned by investors looking to make a profit. Notre Dame FCU is different. We are a not-for-profit member-owned cooperative. Our mission is to help our members improve their lives by providing products and services to save them money. If we end up with too much money ourselves, we simply give it away to our members' favorite charities. Last year, over a million dollars. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. What a Friday night it was last night with Marion defeating Penn for the first time in 47 years. You heard the game right here on Redeemer Radio. You got to watch it on Facebook.com slash 95.7 Sports. It's going to be another busy Friday night coming up in both Michiana and Northeast Indiana next Friday in Fort Wayne. Next Friday is the Battle of the Bishops. Lures and Dwanger catch the game on 106.3 FM and RedeemerRadio.com. In Michiana, we'll have St. Joe hosting Penn on 95.7 FM and Facebook.com slash 95.7 Sports with our video stream broadcast. Tailgate Talk gets you started on both stations at 6 p.m. next Friday night. All right, Angel DiCarlo and Kevin Downey back with you here. And Kevin, uh, can you imagine retiring as the Notre Dame women's basketball coach during a pandemic? And um, what a difference that makes uh, for you. But it doesn't seem like Muffet's really been in retirement the way she's been so active in our community. Well, she's always so active. Um, one of the neat things about uh, Muffet, I guess, is just how involved in the community uh, she is. So I remember being a teacher at St. Joe and actually having um, her son in class. Uh, she's just involved with the community, so it's it's really great. Uh, you had Murph in class? I did. Uh, what kind of – I think I, I was a – Catholic schools, you get assigned random jobs, so I uh, – <laughs> I was a 10th period PE teacher, even though I didn't have a PE degree. Did, Never figured that out. <laughs> oh, interesting. Did uh, h- How was he as a PE student? I always loved Murph. He's a great kid. Oh, yeah. He was great. Great kid. He's great personality. Now he's a 
grown man. Uh, all right, so Muffet, of course, led Notre Dame to a national championship in 2001-2018, caught many by surprise in April when she announced she was retiring. Neil Ivey taking over as head coach. Muffet has been busy. She's organized a ton of food drives both locally and now nationally, started as just something to do in the pandemic, and it's grown so much bigger. She's also teaching a class at Notre Dame. I spoke with Muffet this week about her acts of service, becoming a professor, and retirement. Talk about a retirement. You've been, uh, even in a retirement in a pandemic, you've been awfully busy. I remember when we talked to you back when the pandemic started, you were starting to do some food drives in your neighborhood. You've continued that. You've even now made a national campaign with Meals and Muffet. Uh, (laughs) Just take us through how wild uh, this has been for you in quote-unquote retirement. Well, you know, it's funny because who expected I would retire and then spend the next six months in my house, you know? Um, So I really wanted to do something to help the community. And I kept hearing things on TV about the food shortages. I was worried about the school kids, how they're going to get their lunches if they're not in school. And so I just decided to start a food drive in my neighborhood. And then I branched out to a few others. And and then I got other people to help me. And I think anytime I started a conversation with, where do you live? People started to get nervous because I was going to ask them to help me do something. Um, But I've done 30 food drives and I've collected over 20,000 pounds of food. So it's been kind of an incredible uh, time. I've really enjoyed helping out in the community. And then our alumni director, Dolly Duffy, her daughter decided to do a food drive in their neighborhood. And then suddenly Dolly got the idea that maybe this would be something for the alumni clubs across the country to participate in. So we kind of issued a challenge. This is Hunger Action Month. And Let's see what we can collect in the month of September across the country, just, you know, for your own food banks. Um, We're just kind of keeping a running total. And we are at 100,000 pounds and $32,000. Wow. Yeah. That's that's amazing. How how proud does that make you feel, Coach, to get that many people involved? And we still got some days left here in September to get even more uh, uh, pounds donated. Yeah, we do. I've got one myself this Saturday. So I I am just so thankful for the response that we've gotten, for the generosity of the people in this community, as well as across the country. I think people want to do something to help. Nobody knew what to do or how to do it. Some people maybe would want to participate, but didn't want to organize it. So I'm just so thankful that um, so many people have come out and supported this. You know, one of the things uh, when I was talking to Mike Golick Jr. on our show two weeks ago, I asked him about, um, you know, his Catholic faith and education and how it impacted him. And one of the things he mentioned was service. You know, it always reminded me of the importance of service. And, and it feels like that's probably something that's hidden home for you right now, the importance of, of, of service, something you always did as a coach, but now with a little bit more time on your hands, being more hands-on uh, with, with this food drive. Is, am, am I on the right track? That is exactly right. And I feel like, you know, I'm in a position where I've been so blessed and I've given, been given so much, and especially from the people in this community, how they've embraced our program and, and just come out and supported us. And I've always liked the idea of giving back and service is something that, you know, everybody can do. It just takes your time. It doesn't cost anything and it does so much good for the community. So I, I've always felt that service was an important component. I love that they you know, some of the schools have community service as part of their curriculum. In fact, we had some St. Joe girls at our last food drive out helping to pick up the food just to get involved. 
Absolutely. Muffin McGraw, the former head coach, still gets gets me. I almost said current head too. coach. <laughs> <laughs> former head coach of Notre Dame women's basketball team joining us here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. So, I mean, it's hard to gauge what retirement's been like, I imagine, when it's coming during a pandemic. But what have... What has it been like for you not being around uh, basketball as much as you would obviously be around it right now? Well, you know, I think the interesting thing is that there hasn't been a lot of basketball. So this summer there was no recruiting because we weren't allowed to go into gyms. Everything was kind of virtual. We were watching games online. So I don't think that it really hit me. You know, like, oh, I should be sitting in a gym right now where everybody else is. So I think the fact that even practice is, is hardly going on, just getting started. And that's what I'm going to miss. You know, I'm just going to miss being around the team, being around the staff. Uh, I did love practice. I couldn't wait to get in the gym every day. And so I don't know what it's going to be like this year watching. It's probably good that we're thinking maybe no fans for a while uh, because that will alleviate some of uh, some of my stress. <laughs> Back in uh, back in April, when you announced your retirement, I don't think any of us necessarily thought, you know, come September, October basketball season, we'd still be in the position we're in. Um, is there is there a little sense of relief that you did retire when you did, so that uh, it's Niel's problem now to have to deal with, with all the yeah. with all the hurdles of of of, of COVID and everything, uh, rather than uh, you having to deal with it right now? Well, Matt and I, that's kind of our motto right now, like not our problem anymore. Uh, we, we can relax. But honestly, I, that's part that I would miss. I would miss speaking out right now as one of the coaches across the country that's saying, here's what I think we need to do. Here's what the ACC should be looking at. And, and I guess I could still do it, but not being in it, um, you know, I don't feel like I'm close enough to really see everything that they're thinking about. But I kind of miss the strategy of, of those kinds of things, of figuring out where are we going. I'm still on two NCAA committees. One is the competition committee, and we will be talking about that. And I'm, I'm happy to be a part of that. But it is nice to sort of sit back and not worry about recruiting and official visits aren't happening. And what about how do you get kids to campus and what other creative ways can you have for trying to figure out how to attract them to Notre Dame? That part of it, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be out of that part. <laughs> You know, I didn't properly introduce you. I guess I should have called you Professor McGraw, or is it Professor Muffet? What are we going by now that you're teaching classes over I, at Notre Dame? I, uh, I actually asked them to call me Coach McGraw because I was in the hallway um, before classes started, and, and a student came up and said, uh, excuse me, are you on the faculty? And I said, no, I'm not. And then I was like, wait a minute. Yes, I am. I'm on the faculty. I, I love it. I'm teaching a class called Sports Management how leaders help teams flourish. And so I feel like after 40 years of working with teams, I feel like I have, you know, some good experience, but not a lot of academic type background. So it's really been, uh, it's really been fun. I have about 10 athletes in the class, 10 grad students, 10 undergrads, and I'm thoroughly enjoying my new chapter. I would think you probably have a PhD in uh, sports management. I'm just going <laughs> to venture a guess. What's been, what's been the tough, what, what's been the toughest chapter? toughest challenge though for you uh having having to be a teacher in a different way obviously you've always been a teacher you know as a coach you're a teacher mm -hmm. but uh being in the classroom as you said as the academic side what's been the toughest challenge well you know i've, I've done so much homework which I'm, I'm used to doing that in preparation for the season but it's it's been difficult to kind of assess 
how long is this going to take? How much discussion will we have? What do I need to prepare for? How many classes? I have a lot of guest speakers lined up so that I, you know, I would have some help early on. They have a lot of projects to do. But, but then assessing each person, um, how do you give a test on something like this? You know, what, what, are your, what are your thoughts on this and that? And it's been kind of subjective. And the students are phenomenal. I mean, they are really, they're bright, they're articulate. Uh, they they just have great ideas, so it's it's going to be difficult to grade them because I don't want to be that easy A professor. I want, <laughs> I want them to learn something from the class. I would say your uh, former players better would probably say you better not be the easy <laughs> A professor because you probably they probably didn't view you as that when you were coaching them. They would be shocked to hear that I was giving out an easy A for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Muffet McGraw, former Notre Dame women's basketball coach, joining us here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Coach, when we hopefully, finally get out of the pandemic, we're back to normal, whenever that ends up being, what else are you hoping to do? Like, are you guys hoping to travel the world? What What, what are some of the plans that you and Matt want to do in, in retirement uh, once this pandemic is all over? We probably would travel a little bit. Uh, we were going to go to Ireland uh, this past year. I had some clinics set up over there and, uh, you know, around the football game. So it was going to be a lot of fun. But I think just the ability to pick up and go when we want is what the difference is. You know, not saying, well, can't do anything from October through April. You know, we're, we're pretty booked. But now we're thinking we might enjoy Christmas a little differently this year and, um, so I, I think traveling for sure. I want to continue the involvement in the community. That's something that I'm really passionate about too. I've just always wanted to to be able to make a difference in some small way and maybe get other people thinking about it. And and that's what the people that have done these food drives with me. They're they're so excited to be helping and they really want to do more. And I I th- I'd like to kind of galvanize and maybe mobilize the community in a little different way so that when people want to do some sort of volunteer, they can just go to this site and say. Oh, here's what's available. Here's here's all these people that are looking for volunteers because so many people do want to help. Mealswithmuffet.nd.edu if you want to support the um, efforts of Coach McGraw here during this uh, Hunger Action Month. Uh, Coach, do you have any uh, fun stories at all from uh, any of these food drives so far? That something that maybe stood out um, over the thirty food drives that you've done? Well, I did have one experience where I went up to grab something off someone's porch and got halfway back to my car before I realized it was a delivery from Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> There's no food in here. <laughs> and I, all I kept thinking was if they have one of those, um, you know, cameras that was going to say, here's Coach McGraw stealing my packages. Uh, <laughs> so after that, I was a lot more careful. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Uh, you know, uh, I... <laughs> I can't get over that one. That's pretty good. Uh, you know, I asked you this after I interviewed you once you announced uh, retiring, but uh, you know, now with a couple of months uh, to look back on it, I'm still curious. If the pandemic doesn't happen, are you still the coach at Notre Dame, or do you think you still would have ultimately retired? Oh, I think I would have ultimately retired. I, I was ready. You know, 40 years is a long time to be in one job. And to have that single-minded focus of just that. And I've always wanted to do other things. It never really felt like I had the time. And then certainly getting more involved in promoting women and advocating for women. And I can continue to do that. And that was what my big worry was, Where you know, how will I be able to do that? I don't have a platform anymore. So I've, I've been excited to see the speaking opportunities are still happening and plenty of, plenty of things I can do. And then how 
good of a job do you expect uh, Neil to do in, in the new role as the face of the program? Well, she's going to be terrific. She was such a, and the perfect choice, really. I mean, she fits everything. And she kind of was the face of our program in terms of recruiting. So for all the student athletes out there looking at us, uh, she was somebody that they all knew about and looked to. And I, I'm so excited for the future and where we're going. She started right off with recruiting, uh, signed or at least got commitments from players. Uh, very exciting. I class that we brought in as well as what, what will come in in the future. I think Notre Dame's going to be back up there in the elite very soon. Coach, thank you very much and best of luck with all these food drives and and enjoy retirement a little bit, okay? Hey, maybe I'll be in your neighborhood next. <laughs> that, that's a possibility. We'll be happy to have you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Muffin Burrard, the legendary former women's basketball coach in Notre Dame. Mealswithmuffet.nd.edu if you want to chip in on the national food drive that she's hosting. And locally, it's been 20,000 pounds that she's raised uh, and 100,000 pounds on the national level. Pretty impressive. Very impressive. And again, the service and the timeliness during the pandemic and COVID and all the shutdowns, you know, there are a lot of people that really need help. And a lot of people that want to help. So it's so neat that she was able to, to put all that together to help the community. And most importantly, luckily, she did not uh, grab that one pound of Amazon <laughs> box and take that with her as well. All right, uh, we got to take a timeout. Uh, this is usually our game day sprint coming up. It's going to be a uh, schedule sprint, if you will. That's next on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Redeemer Radio's Tune In for All In virtual fundraiser is still in full swing. Make your donation today and become a part of our mission to joyfully share the gospel message. For a limited time, Tim Didier Meats will donate a turkey to the Franciscan Center for every $120 donation. The turkeys are distributed to people in need for Thanksgiving. So donate today by calling or texting GIVE to 260-436-9598 or go to RedeemerRadio.com. All right, welcome back on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Again, a reminder that we are going through our fall share Tune in for All In, we're calling it this time around. We have to be able to pay maintenance for two radio towers, staffing, and equipment. It adds up fast. Right now, we are in the middle of our fall fundraiser. We're behind on funding, so we could use your support. If you enjoy programs like this, make a small donation at RedeemerRadio.com. We'd greatly appreciate it. Angel DiCarlo, Kevin Downey back with you. Again, no Notre Dame football game here today but uh let's look at what the schedule will look like the rest of the way kevin um october 10th they'll host florida state october 17th hosting louisville so kind of weird moving this wake forest game to the end of december or to december 12th now the first four games are home games well and you have the two weeks off too i think that's bizarre as well but obviously you have to live within the circumstances october 24th at pittsburgh that could be a tricky game yeah Pitt's physical and they do a good job Pitt ranked 21st. They're facing Louisville today. Uh, October 31st at Georgia Tech. And then, of course, the big one, November 7th versus Clemson. Everything centers around that game. Oh, they're really good. And that guy can throw deep, Ange, for the record. Yeah, he's he's pretty good. November 14th at Boston College. Former Notre Dame quarterback Phil Dracovic. So that'll be interesting. A little side no- story, yeah. Yep. November 27th, Black Friday game at North Carolina. Carolina ranked 11th in the country. So that'll be a big matchup. And what you're seeing here is a lot of at. Uh, mm-hmm. December 5th, they'll host Syracuse, and then December 12th at Wake Forest. But uh, five of the last seven games will be on the road. That will be not easy as well. Well, and the challenge during all these times, too, they're going to have to 
have different routines with COVID. All right, Florida State is the next opponent for Notre Dame. As we mentioned, they're going to be taking on Miami tonight. It's a 7.30 kickoff on ABC if you want to check it out. Florida State lost to Georgia Tech 16-13 last week. They host Jacksonville State next week and then come to South Bend to face Notre Dame. So uh, who knows? But They could be 1-2 and two when they come to, to South Bend. Big Ten, Pac-12, everybody else all coming back. SEC starts games today as well. Uh, Kentucky and Auburn coming up at noon. So a couple good games, Louisville and Pitt at noon. And, of course, Florida State and uh, Miami at 7.30 tonight. So very interesting, Kevin, to see some conferences deciding they're coming back while Notre Dame has to sit out for two weeks. Yeah, and at least there's college football. I mean, Notre Dame football is really entertaining, but at least we have some football. All right, well, that will do it for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays, Notre Dame FCU, where Bank does matter. Thanks to our audio operator today, Ilya Glasman. For Kevin Downey, I'm Angel DiCarlo. Again, no Irish game today. They'll be back at it in two weeks' time versus Florida State on October 10th in a night game at Notre Dame Stadium. But we will still be back with you next Saturday at 9 a.m. here on Redeemer Radio for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturday. So we'll close our show the same way the Irish traditionally close their show, in prayer. Hi, this is Father Nate Wills. I'm a Holy Cross priest, a faculty member at Notre Dame's Alliance for Catholic Education, and one of the chaplains to the Notre Dame football team. This is a prayer that the players pray together at the end of our pregame Mass. Let us pray. Grant, we beseech you, O Lord our God, that we may enjoy continual health of mind and body, and by the glorious intercession of Mary our Lady, may we accept the joys and trials of this life and someday enter into eternal happiness. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Go Irish! This has been a presentation of Redeemer Radio Sports. Thanks for joining us for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Looking for a fresh way to start your day? Need a little pick-me-up for your faith in the morning? We've got you covered with the Daily Refill. Join me, Andrea Serrani, weekday mornings from 7 to 8 for the best Catholic podcast, stories of faith from around the world and right here in our own community, plus some fun and games to help us start our days with faith and joy. Tune in weekdays at 7 for the Daily Refill on Redeemer Radio and in the Redeemer Radio app.